Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast brought to you by bet.co.za. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe and drop a five-star rating and share this podcast with the rugby world. Please also visit our proud sponsors, bet.co.za, for some awesome deals on the upcoming rugby championship. My name is Tala. I'm joined by Sean and Cooks, and we are kicking off season two of the Rugby Bits podcast with a big rugby championship preview. So now we're going to start, as we always do, with, with our first phase question. And this week, um, Cooks, we asked our, our, our followers, what is their go-to imaginary rugby move when they're at home or in the shops? Cooks, what, what, what's, your imagine, what's your go-to move? I think for me, obviously, my, my, my go-to move is it has to be the little show and go before I enter the door or any corridor, any, any space where there's a, there's a bit of a gap. I think I have to have to give a show and go. I mean, you can't just go through a gap without doing a show and go unless I run a good line. But, you know, I like being the 10, so I, like, I always have to have the, whether it's a bottle, especially if a bottle of water in my hand or anything or my phone, a show and go comes out and, and all I know, I've probably done about hundreds of show and goes and I fit the gap every time untouched. It's always, it's always a good um, go-to for that. And you can just make sure that you just hit the gap at the right time and at the right speed as well. Um, Sean, what's your go-to move? Oh, Matt, this was brought back, brought and brings back so many memories. But I, I love, I, with, it's with, a, with a head of lettuce or maybe even like, maybe even like a single toilet roll, but you know, like I do that little, that straighten and then, then you run diagonally and then you've got that dummy, that dummy pop where the, where the, the guy's running in on the scissors and you, and you just dummy, you dummy that 12 that's running in back into the action dummy him and then you and then you pop the the 13 running at a nice hard flat line you could even go for a no look behind the back to like maybe your blind winger or something uh, that's for me oh uh it's it's the money it's the money I, I love it i can i can visualize it and it just excites me it makes me want to go shopping almost <laughs> no and i think the the nice thing with these imaginary moves as well is obviously number one like cook says everything goes perfectly the tries always scored and number two, you look at your most coordinated since you can't see yourself. And I, that's what I like when I also hit my um, like amazing skip pass. If I, especially like cooks, if I have a bottle of water in my hand, I start with a little goose step just to get past the first, um, the, the first defender. Then I just hit a nice long pass to the wing and he's going to hear in for a try. Um, are you some skipping, of the other, are you, yeah? that, that, that long pass, that's, that's like, Basically, skipping the toiletries aisle, going straight from the the chips aisle into the sweets aisle. Is that <laughs> that you're sending it? Nice, nice long raking one, almost behind the back of the that 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 long line of trolleys waiting to pay. You're just sending it behind their back. <laughs> there we go. And Love it. you know that that it always it's always ni- a nice like five to ten meter pass over a few defenders. The the wing is also catching it at full speed. Like that's the best thing. And I remember when we used to go shopping, like in high school, there'd always be a few people just to, just like if they're like a water bottle, just do pops amongst each other, a few back, behind the back passes. That's always amazing. Just also, also my, one of my favorites, what I just love going, talking about going shopping was whenever you're walking, there's like a trolley coming towards you. It's like a trolley here, there's an old gap, and you this a nice little step for the right foot, step for the left, and you sort of eat the small gap, and you sort of. In hindsight, like the, the poor lady who was, no, who was pushing a trolley against you because has no idea what she's doing or what she's watching. But I love a little sidestepping between trolleys and obviously just making the line break into open space. The best is, is that exact 
situation like this little old lady she doesn't know what's going on you're stepping her but then you've got to get the hand up and you've got to put a big fake hand off like almost like right at her face and then she totally freaks out yeah i think my laundry basket speaking of handoffs has seen a lot of my hands off handoffs or bounces at my time so you know just picking up a bit of laundry you're trying to get past and then you have no option but to go over the the laundry basket that's always a, a favorite at home where you can. Tyler, always picking you, soft you the right? I do tell him, Mom. <laughs> I mean, I listen to my, I listen to my head coach. Listen, Tyler, I'm with you. I'm with you, Tyler. Mom. My coach. laundry basket goes through the absolute, absolute most. I mean, it's just it, it hasn't made a tackle for it's just since I moved to Joburg. It's just since I bought it. It's just been just getting bounced, getting fended, getting stepped, and then it's just it's it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's my mismatch. Every time it sees me, it's a mismatch. And it's yeah. I mean, we've we've learned from the from from our head coaches that you know there's that um, we we always have to go route route one. We have to go physical. We have to f them up physically. So, I mean, the laundry basket has to take the the, the punishment there. Unfortunately, some of the other moves that were mentioned on Twitter, um, we have Marianne Lowe who 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 likes the fake right and then steps left to go past a classic Andre Pollard move. Um, we've seen that by Pollard, um, in, in, especially in the All Black games. Um, Bob DeVette does like the Sunny Ball offload uh, after they've walked past someone. This is, yeah, I think this is an amazing move, especially if you have like a friend that you're going shopping with. So if it's another person and they can also catch the offload of the of the water bottle or the little ball that you have, that's, that always just, you know, brings a... a, a you know, big smile to, to people if you're able to just pass something and, and it catches. Kevin was also saying that he tries that Lucanio Am move from the All Blacks test last year when, with that behind the back pass to small to um, small Gorsi. Oh, that's, that's nice a and risky, eh? Yeah. Very difficult like, thing to do. I like that. You're definitely not doing that with, with six eggs, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Never. No, Carl actually is also a big fan of the root one. He does the crash ball and goes straight into the couch. He also, his other one is taking the seven ball at line out time and quickly releasing it to his nine so that the 12 can take a flat ball. So quite a intricate move there um, from Carl. And yeah, I think this is also a nice one, especially if doors are closing, especially like automatic doors in a mall. Just that little step, just going through the door, like you've just evaded two tacklers. That that also <laughs> makes you feel like a prime Conrad oh, Smith or something like that. Yes, man. I love that. Just shoot, shoot the gap. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I just wonder what's the what's the running score of all these people doing the imaginary rugby moves against unsuspecting shoppers and and just citizens just doing their their normal business. It must be close to like eighty five no, one hundred and three no, something like that. Yeah, ruthless stuff. <laughs> the only time the, the only time you get tackles when you try to throw an offload in and, and it's always a, 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 like the offload from behind the back falling and you're just like yeah like like, like so not going to bed like, something more like, like falling and like pop off the ground so you're like the, the, the move there's no rucks in this you know fantasy you know fantasy world it's just, it's just get the ball sidestep or you're falling offload and, and the trial of the year the best part the best part about this is if you do get it wrong like if you maybe grass a pass the, the best thing is the opposition never, ever, ever get their hands on it. You manage to recover perfectly every time, and then you're basically lining up the next, the next unsuspecting grand. <laughs> I think just with the racking thing, I think the only person that would like practice racking in the shops is probably like a rack animal like Sia Colisi or Sam Kane. 
they would probably like hit those trolleys over or something like that as as they get some racking in, in, in their normal day-to-day. Just imagine. I also see, uh, like if it's Khaleesi or Kane, the amount of rucks they hit and the power at which they hit them, I almost see them, you, you know, there's like stacks of, of cans at like pyramid of cans. Like they would just run and just double pump and smash those things in cans would just, they'd just be baked beans like all over. And from aisle one to 32, they'd just be baked bean cans lying around. Honestly, with my fans, there's no stage in my fans where I'm, I'm, am I defending or am I hitting racks? Which tells you everything you know, you know, you know about my rugby playing and what my, my, what my brain thinks about when I'm on a rugby field. So I think we can just start pivoting this conversation into the rugby championship preview. We, yeah, we are a few days away from um, the first matches in the rugby championship. The format is a little bit different this year. Um, the, uh, there's um, two match test series at, at, at one venue instead of it being a home and away, three home, three away uh, against each of the teams. So this time, for example, the Springboks have two matches at home against the New Zealanders, two matches away against Australians, and then one home, one away against Argentina. So the new format will um, bring some, some, something new to the, to the game. And then also, uh, it's an interesting time for the Southern Hemisphere teams where arguably all three of them, even though the Box and the Argentinians won their Test Series, they didn't have this, the best of June te- uh, July Test Series um, either losing games they weren't supposed to um, lose or losing the test series as a whole. Sean, just before we go into the teams and go in depth, yeah, what's, what, what, what do you think, uh, how do you think the state of, of the Southern Hemisphere um, is just before the rugby championship? And what, how, do you, uh, how important do you think this will be for all four teams just trying to reestablish themselves and just show that they are still part of like that's, that top level of, of, of teams with, you know, the likes of France and Ireland and maybe even England. I think the rugby championship is perfectly positioned for the Southern hemispheres to work on things. So I think it's, uh, I think it's perfect for all, all sides considered like um, Ireland go away and they have a hell of a lot of downtime until November um, coming off this massive win against the all blacks. England have got a few things to work off. They've got some downtime. Scotland, um, Wales, etc. But the South Africans, Aussies, Argentinians, and Kiwis are uh, in a very, very fortunate position that a year out from the World Cup, coming off a series that both all, all sides have stuff to work on, are able to get things going straight away, like a week, week and a half, two-week break, and then straight back into fixing what needs to be done or building on what you've created so I think it comes at the perfect time and I think it's a great opportunity for all sides to either get back on track or, like I said, just carry on building on the foundations that they've created. And hopefully just reestablishing some form as all four teams in, in the July series all went down in the rankings um, thanks to losses or lost series against um, some of the Northern Hemisphere teams. Cooks, Let's start with the Springboks, and what we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to ask each of all three of us are going to contribute what our biggest questions or biggest issues or yeah our biggest questions for each of the teams. So then we're going to take the conversation from there. So it might be a positional battle, it might be a certain aspect of their game, it might be something big, might be something small, and then we're going to take it from there. So Cooks, uh, you can come first up with what your biggest 
question is for the for the Springboks um, as as they will start their rugby championship campaign. I think for me is um, can the box find can the box put down a marker and make a statement and say that they are the best team in the world. I think obviously since I mean since since the World Cup we've been as defending champions. I mean like you said and being the Lions. And Twitter, we've all been beating their drums, saying the best in the world, and rightly so. I mean, but then you look at last season, we had that one loss against All Blacks, two loss against the Wallabies, and a tour that was probably a loss to England, where we probably weren't at our best. And I just think for me, what I want to see the most is I just want to see the box put on a marker and say, we are the best team in the world. I think, I know last week, everyone was passing the tag around saying, we are the underdogs, when they were the favourites. I do think the box... Uh, and and I want us to live in a world that I think as African fans where we we can see the boxer our favourites to beat the All Blacks and they sh- and they should be. I mean, we if you look at form wise and this is the World Cup. I mean, like, where we're building is we are we have been getting better and I think we are at a better place than the All Blacks are. And I think for me, it's that it, it, it's, it's that I'm writing off the All Blacks. That I'm so confident what's happening with the box that I, I want to sort of live in the confidence of where the box are the best team in the world. And if being the best team in the world means that we should beat the All Blacks. In, in Megatabin and beat them towards the Africa, beat the Wallabies and, and win the rugby championship. And um and and we haven't won the rugby championship with the loss in 2019. The biggest one is always that um there wasn't a full campaign because the World Cup here. So I do want to see the box for me just put on a mark and say, we are the best in the world. And I, and I think it has to start this weekend and um with with beating the with beating the All Blacks in Elspray, then beating them again next week and then sort of proving and then putting the thousand have to worry about the Ben Smiths writing whatever they want to write on Twitter and, and articles. And I think we, we we should be allowed to expect that from the box. And um, because, for example, if the roles are reversed for the All Blacks and the Springboks, that's what that's what that's what I'd be saying. The All Blacks should be the Springboks twice if they're playing New Zealand if they're the best in the world. That's what I expected of them when they're their best. And defending champions, I think we can also expect that from the Springboks as a fan and be and 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 be a bit bullish about the Springboks and not sort of always be like. I don't know where we are, but that's that's what I want to see. Us can the box put on that marker and establish themselves as the best team in the world. Yeah, and it's I think Sean, it's been very interesting just seeing and monitoring social media and almost seeing the uh, almost an uncomfortability that Springbok fans have with almost seeing as being seen as like overwhelming favorites against the All Blacks. Like especially in the last ten to fifteen years, it's usually been. I mean, apart from 2009, it's usually been when, when a New Zealand team comes to face us, home, away, on Mars, it doesn't matter. Like, they're the ones that are, you know, have their stuff together. They have a team that's got that's on song and the Springboks are the ones sort of trying to fix things. And now this time, it's the Springboks that are looking settled and looking like they have the settled combinations and the All Blacks on, on the, you know, one of the biggest crises they've had in, in a while. So it has been quite weird just you know, thinking, oh, the box actually are favorites and, you know, might be even be a little bit disappointed if they aren't able to win both tests against the All Blacks. But of course, not saying that that should be the ex- expectation. Um, but Cooks makes a good point that, you know, with an opposition with the way, it, the, like where the All Blacks are and, um, you know, how good that the Springboks have been, that we should hopefully expect that the Springboks can get two wins against the All Blacks. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think the massive thing for me is the Springboks have to select the strongest possible front uh, pack 
and bench pack that we have. The, for the All Blacks now, we need to dominate with our forwards. We, the, the truth is, is that our forwards have been, I think the best way, the way I normally subscri- uh, describe it, sorry, is, um, is scratchy. Like we've had a couple, we've made some changes in the second test, but we've had forwards that were there that we probably expected more from and, and all that. We, we need to get into that space where our forwards are that dominant space, that dominant force that we expect from them with the bomb squad. And um, that, that for me is huge. I think the, the thing for me is, is the, the, nine, uh, the nine situation where I, I hope that um, the, the coaches will stick with uh, Jaden and Fuff for starters, uh, probably these two tests. Um, I think that that's, that's my only thing. Like the question around what we want to do, it'll be at nine and at 15 possibly. The other thing, and I, and I don't think we will we'll experiment or, 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 or sort of muck around with the fours. I think it'll literally be the best two packs we have will we'll, we'll play. Yes, so let's talk a bit, a bit of selection. Um, we, I think Sean has mentioned, I think, two of the big selection uh, questions that, that, that might be there for the Springboks. And let's start with the fullback one. Um, Damon Willems uh, established himself um, in that World Test series as you know, uh, you know, a player that can play at international level and has shown like his class at international level, following from his great URC season. And we've seen Valila Roo used in that player twenty three position, and he did quite well, um, actually coming off the bench and being able to, you know, impact the game with his attacking ability. And now you add Francois Stein into that mix. Um, he, if, 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 if people can cast their minds back to October last year, his kicking game and um, his kicking game was, was, was helped us win the, the, the test match against New Zealand in October. And he was man of the match against Wales in November. So it's probably three players, um, maybe not so much with Vili LaRue, but two of them are, you know, our big utility players that will probably be, you know, seen as a player 23 that can fill up all sorts of holes in the back line. Cooks, how do you see that working out for, for those three players? Because there's probably only place for two in, in, a, in, in the Springbok match 23. I think with Kurt Lawrence being, being, um, being, I mean, being touted to start at 14 on the weekend with, with Kobe, and I think that sort of changes the thinking of the ball coaches. I don't think they would go Kurtley and Damien. I think they'll want the experience of Vili at 15. So to, because uh, they do tend to have, they don't like want, want to leave their debutants all on their own, except for, except for that second test against Wales. But I do think with Kurt set to play fourth, I think Vili comes in at 15. I think they might stick with, I think they'll still, they stick with Damien again off the bench, sort of can come in and cover multiple positions. I think with Franz Stein, what they'll do is, what I'll do is I'll probably give him a run either in the second test or one of the tests against the Wallabies. But I think, I do think you, you kind of know what to expect from a Franz Stein and you sort of want to see if Damien Willemsa can sort of keep up that form he's had the whole year, and also he has he has played his way into that either starting at fifteen or coming off the bench role. And I think he's the form guy at the moment. But I do think that with Kobe being out, that I think Vili starts. I think if Kobe was fine, then I think Damien would have gone in at fifteen, and then Vili keeping the same role off the bench. I'm going to agree and disagree with you. I think for me, Vili Larue will start at fifteen, regardless who's on the right wing. Um, I think 
just what he's done, what he brings and, and what's happening. I think it's a great chart. I think uh, Damien will, will go to player 23 and I'm pretty confident we'll do a 6-2 split. Um, for me, Franz Stein um, will be in the squad. I, he might not even... If we remain injury-free, I believe that Franz Stein won't see minutes against uh, the All Blacks. I, I'd prefer if he didn't, and I don't mean that uh, disrespectfully or, or that he doesn't deserve it. I, I just feel that for the reason why he's in the squad, um, he's there as cover and even though he is fighting for a position in the 23, I think it's more a case of um, if we picked up injuries and we have the ability um, at the moment uh, that, that we can cover all the positions comfortably. Very interesting though, you guys. Um, I also, I have a sneaky feeling that, um, that Jesse Creel will probably have a great look in at 14. Um, you know, we are playing the All Blacks uh, it all depends on how Kurt Lawrence is doing with the defensive setup and, and has he like completely come to terms with it. Um, I, I don't think he isn't capable of playing the All Blacks. I think just in terms of our shape and just making decisions at the right time uh, is probably more and better suited for, for Jesse Creel. Um, however, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a fit if Kurt Lawrence started at 14. It wouldn't bother me at all. I just think Jesse Creel is, should be in the conversation. Yeah, I think that's also a selection, a little selection poster there to see how to replace um, Chez and Colby. I mean, Creel's probably the safer option. He's going to operate almost as a second um, outside center, and he obviously knows the Springbok defensive systems well. He'll shoot up when he needs to shoot up. He's good under the high ball, so he's got those sort of things sorted. Um, Aronsa's probably... Uh, a sort of a rough diamond version of Cheslin Colby at the moment. So there's maybe a few more mistakes that you might have to um, accept if he plays uh, as the number 14 in, in, in the test against the All Blacks, but he's the one that can, ha like the upside is high and he can bring so the, the things that Cheslin brings into the game as well with just his ability to beat his man in attack. So it'll be interesting to see what the Springboks do. Um, if if the purpose is to win and to secure wins, then maybe they go a bit safer and, and play Jesse Creel. But if they are also looking with an eye in the future, then, you know, it's not, not too many better test matches, especially if you're playing um, probably Severis at 11, but possibly someone like Caleb Clark or Lester Fanganuku. Like, that's, you know, a great test for Kirtley Arinsa to see um, how he does. So maybe one... They each get one test each. We we will see about that. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do at number 14 for the next few tests. I'm going to throw a little bit of a spanner. Um, I mentioned earlier that I was a little bit worried about the, the pack, the cohesion of the pack and how we need to start um, getting that whole lump of meat of all those players moving sort of in sync and in one direction. That could... I, I believe that is a massive um, factor when it comes to that number 14 jersey, which is currently open, and that's possibly why, why Creel could also um, earn it. If We don't want to get bossed by, by the all-black pack, and I don't think we'll get bossed, but I, ideally, and with what has been happening over the last few months, we should really dominate them on the gain line with the forwards at scrum time, at ruck time. and. If that, if we were in 
in completely fine-tuned and in immaculate form as a forward pack, Kirtley Arantzis starts then, no worries. However, now with things, that I don't, it's not that we're not on form, it's just a couple of guys are like are just working a few things out, it seems. Um, so I think Creel would probably be, as you say, the safer option. And I think his decision-making and his ability to scramble within our defensive pattern and our setup might be the difference between him um, starting over Kirtley Aronsa. However, as you said, I, I do I think Kirtley Aronsa will definitely get minutes against the All Blacks if we win this week and our forward pack do well. I think Kirtley Aronsa starts the week later, week later unless um, unless of course if he doesn't start this week. But I mean, if Creel starts this week, then I think Kirtley Aronsa is um, barring. Creel scoring a hat trick and making fourteen try saving tackles. I think I think that might what be what we see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see and monitor how that goes um, during the course of the Springboks elections. Now let's look at the Scrum Half um, selection debate. Um, not maybe much of a debate, but of course, Jaden Henderson was probably one of the big winners of that Wales Test series as he established himself as, at the very least, one of the a person that the Springboks can trust to start that third test against um, Wales and then the decider and then having Faftaklak come off the bench. So that would probably indicate that um, Jaden Hendrickson is probably going to be at the very worst, um, the reserve coming off the bench for um, for the Springboks at, at nine. And 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 he will dovetail with Faftaklak. So Sean, how do you see that going? Do you think Faf will come back to start? Do you think Jaden will get a few more games at number at uh, starting at nine? Is uh, what does and also what does this all mean for Herschel Yankees? Yeah, we're in a very interesting space at the moment. Um, if I had to make this call on form, Jaden start. However, the last week and a half with the guys all being in camp. Um, Faf's kicking may have got a little bit better because the truth is, is he, uh, it was the kicking superiority of Jaden Hendricks that, that, that probably got him that start. So it, it's, it's a coin flip for me looking at the all blacks and how we want to win. I would most certainly name the strongest pack and I'd put Villy at 15. We're not going with that sort of thinking, but I think Jaden could very well get a start. Um, and I think Faf will be on, on the bench. I, I wouldn't have an issue with that. I think that's a, a great call. Um, you know, um, Jacques Ninab has shown that he, he's, he doesn't have an issue with making that big decision at nine, which we know is such a pivotal space um, in, our, in our attack, just pure and, and defense, but just purely on the kicking, on what we do in terms of kicking and all that sort of jazz. So I, I would probably start Jaden and have Faf on the, um, on the bench. Um, Herschel, it all depends on, on, on what's been happening um, over the last couple of weeks in camp. Um, I don't, you know, uh, this, this little batch against the All Blacks, he probably won't, won't get a look in. And then against Australia, maybe they'll rotate a little bit. I really, um, I really would like to see Grant Williams get some more time as well. But with the current setup, um, he's, fighting, he's fighting a tough battle with Reinach still coming back from injury. So. It's going to be interesting, but I would stick with Hendrickson and De Klerk, uh for the All Blacks. Cooks, with the nine debate, 
do you think Jaden Hendricks uh, and you know the way that he plays? Do you think that would um, play off well against you know a, a, against New Zealand against a, a Southern Hemisphere team where the game is a bit faster, the the teams are not looking to spend too much time on the on the on the floor. Do you think Jaden Hendricks's bit more sort of direct um, way of playing would 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 play well against All Blacks? Yeah, I, I do think so. I think, um, especially with the box, especially the way they attack. I think, when, especially like in the twenty-two, let's say, but or thirty minutes of twenty-two, they do like to hit you as as hard as quick as possible. Obviously, set them all up. Doesn't if that don't go from there, it's just quick carries, and they just try and get you. It returns as quickly as possible, as hard as possible. And I think with with Jaden, when he obviously obviously is very very good around the base and, and getting the ball out. And I think against the All Blacks, especially. Especially where they defend, I don't know if they'll change it. Where they sort of a lot more standoffish and they sort of like want to get numbers in their feet. I think Jaden will be good because we will we can get momentum off our carry, so Jaden can come in and just be able to get a good quick ball and and, and use the momentum because you know, look, the box love scoring within four or five phases, especially in the twenty-two, like getting the guys come around or and, and keep seeing those pods around. I mean, the, the pods in the box also they're willing. I mean, they're one of the few sides I've seen that can go. Hitting pods from one side of the field to the other without without the backs touching the ball, so I think with Jaden, he offers you especially to get momentum. He's the perfect guy and the perfect guy to sort of sort of come in there and provide that. But um, I must mention about Hoshi Yanki. So I do think as much as Jaden as good as I think Hoshi Yanki will get another look in soon. I think he's and I don't obviously having the box are quite loyal, and I think obviously I think Hoshi has served them well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a look in possibly next week, but in one of these all-black tests. Yeah, I think that that we might see that. And it'll be interesting to see because I think if the Springboks are, of course, I believe that they're probably intending to win the rugby championship, then these two matches are very important, which brings me to my big question, which is how do they balance, you know, going all out for the rugby championship versus, you know, trying to, to blood in some of the the, the backup players like has been communicated by Jacques Minob as a as a big goal for for the 2022 season. So will does the plan change if they lose the first test in in Bombella this weekend? Hopefully not. What what happens if you know are we do we still go with the plans of you know incorporating introducing some of the second and third choice players in the the test against Argentina? We'll have to see, but. It'll be interesting to see how they balance those two things and maybe some of the lessons that they learned from that second test against Wales. So do we continue going with a completely different second team when we if if we make changes, like we go 14 changes um like we did against Wales, or do we try a much more um a much more calmer approach of of introducing maybe two or three um, let's say in the Australian tour, then another two or three at home against Argentina, then maybe another four or five in the weight test. So it'll be interesting to see how how that is managed. And realistically, and we're going to talk predictions later, if the Springboks are going to win the rugby championship, they probably have to win both of these tests, especially considering that three of their four remaining games are played away. So there's there's the increased likelihood of them dropping at least one, if not two of those games. So I, I can see a, a world where the best 23 is picked for these next two weeks. And then hopefully we can see um, an introduction of certain players during the course of the next few weeks 
in Australia and in Argentina. And hopefully that can still get us to at least four, but probably five wins we would need in order to win the rugby championship. I wouldn't be surprised if 95% of the squads that are playing for at least up to the second Wallaby game have been communicated to the players already. Um, the Springbok management have, have, have done it in the past. They've kind of basically played open cards with the squad, with, with everything, their plan. And we are very, very, very much in that space where we've got eyes on the World Cup. No one is talking about any test match at the moment without referring to the World Cup in any way, shape or form. So the, the focus is going to be the World Cup. I don't believe that um, world rankings and beating, I mean, I, just hear me out first. I don't believe that beating the All Blacks is so vital in terms of world rankings and one-upmanship as, a, as it is with us focusing, getting the squad 100% ready for um, a year's time for the 2023 World Cup. So what, what we're saying and what we want as fans is we want to dominate the All Blacks because we've suffered for years <laughs> home and away with, with them just absolutely dominating and cooking us. However, I don't feel that the All Black, that the Springbok coaching management director of rugby believe that if we slip up in one game, no matter how hard we try, that it's the end of the world and we, and we are then massively off course. So we are, as fans, are probably going to be uh, learning a hell of a lot about squad management rotation and who the, who the, who the guys are looking at when these, squads, uh, when these match day squads are announced. So we could be in for a massive surprise. Yeah, and I think it will, it will show just, you know, I, I think the Springboks are also in a privileged position compared to their other rugby championship um, competitors that they can... You know, there's there's secure there's security in the Springbok um setup. I think everyone knows what the picking order is. Uh, uh, there's players in most positions that have good, well, world class players and players that are close to the best in the world in their positions. And it's a matter of you know, there's a few selection battles here and there, and there's a few places where maybe a second or third choice can maybe rise up the rankings. But it's not like in and we're going to speak about the other countries where there are legitimate selection headaches or selection issues where it's like, okay, there's two or three players I can play here and what happens if this player is out and all that sort of stuff. So the Springboks can, as Sean says, look, have at least half an eye or one eye on 2023 and beyond but and, and how they select um, their team. So with that being said, it would actually be quite interesting, you know, balancing that and seeing maybe, you know, the Springboks can go it can sort of go be in a place where they go, you know what, we'll take four wins in the in the rugby championship if that means that there's quality minutes for, let's say, a Ruan Okia or um, a Joseph Dweber or a Thomas Tutoy or someone like that. So we'll see what 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 this what what this will mean. And picking that big squad that like the Springboks have for these first few tests, that's quite interesting, especially because a lot of um, a lot of teams are busy with their preseason right now. So one would think that maybe they'd be best served going back to preseason and or having a rest and then going back to preseason instead. But maybe it shows that number one, a lot of those 40-41 players will see some form of game time, like they did in the Wales Test series. 
um, over the next six weeks. And number two, just making sure that those extended players like the likes of, let's say, Evan Ross or um, Dion Fury, who haven't been involved in the Springboks before, that they understand what the setup is, um, just so that they are, they yeah, if they do come back once they go back to their clubs or if they play some matches now in the next few weeks, that they are aware of how things work in the Springbok setup. So yeah, we are set up for a fantastic rugby championship for the Springboks. I think it's yeah easy to say that the Springboks are the favorites and are probably the team on, well, they're the highest ranking team out of the Southern Hemisphere team. So as Cook said at the start, this is a good opportunity for the Springboks to establish themselves again as you know one of the best teams in the world. Let's move on to our opponents on Saturday. Um, the the All Blacks who are going through a lot of issues right now. Sean, I'll start with you about what your big question is for the All Blacks. I am going to pick on Rico in a small way. However, it my my question for the All Blacks is um, on their midfield. They um, they're struggling, and I actually think it's at twelve mostly. Um, and then having Rico outside who, who is still learning, I do believe, and I'm, I'm going to get shot down for that, defensive-wise and a few other goodies, he still needs to polish up a little bit. So he's struggling even more so that they don't have that solid 12. Um, I, I, don't see, I don't see how they're not starting to Vasa Shek. I think that's probably a shout that they're going to have to make in the first couple of tests. But for me, the big question is, is can they sort out their, their, their 12 and 13? And um, I'm, I'm grouping it together because it's such a vital space and they are linked with the 10s, with the halfbacks, and they're linked with the outside backs. And they, that is where they are struggling, besides obviously um, at line-out time with, the, with a few of the guys. But uh, yeah, 10, uh, 12, and, 12 and 13 for me are, are the big question. What would you do, Sean? I would start Tuivasa Shek. I would most certainly give him give him a start, um, just to see what it's like. the The coaches aren't scared of pulling a guy at halftime, um, so if he's having a, a crap game, they can yank him. Um, I would most certainly start him. I would actually start him and Enrico Ioani together, just because of their time together at the Blues. They had a great season at the Blues. Um, they fell apart in the final, um, but other than that, I mean, they've got enough to draw on and enough of a good communication between the two. Uh, I don't, and I'm saying this because I don't think there are any other guys that are, are fit at the moment. Havili, I, I thought really struggled against Ireland. So that is who would normally take that 12 jumper. Um, worst case scenario is um, in an in-game swap is what I would do is, is, is put um, Bowden at 15, Moanga at 10, Geordie uh, at twelve, and then you can decide who you want to put it put at thirteen. Um, but Rico must. I mean, there's a chance that Rico could start on the wing as well. You know, they they they've got a few options. But I right now, I think Tuvasashek and Yoani at twelve and thirteen would probably be my call um, for them right now. Yeah, and uh, for, with Jack Goodhue still out and he hasn't come to South Africa for the tour, he probably will be available for the test against Argentina. It does limit the options that are available to the All Blacks in the midfield. So as as you've mentioned, Sean, they've got the Blues um, midfield in um, 
um, RTS and, and Rico Ioani. They've got Quinto Paya. He played the first two tests against um, the Irish. I, I I personally think he didn't do too bad in the first test. In the second test, he had um, had some issues defensively, but uh, I, I don't think it was he was that much to blame. But in the third test, you could see there was a big breakdown between Havili and Rico defensively. There was a lot of yeah, a little bit of like uh, your man and pointing at each other when things are happening and the Irish, um, you know, they they put that attacking game plan on them. And yeah, maybe in some ways, Rico Ioane, even though he's going against Lukanya Am and he's great individually, Rico will be re- relieved that he's not going against that whole Irish attacking structure where there's two, three, four options that you need to um, be aware of. You need to pick the right one. You need to be aware of where like these people are screening behind and the passes are behind certain attackers backs and which angles are going all the all over the place so this might actually be in some ways an easier um t- matchup for him because yes of course he's playing um, against Lukanyo Am but it's not the the, the attacking structure of the Springboks is definitely not where the Irish attacking structure is so it'll be interesting to see how they how what what happens there. They also have Braden Enos. Enos as a as a possible option. He's probably the only other thirteen that's on tour. So yeah, as much as Rico Yoni has his Bainganuku is there as well. That is true. Actually, that is true. Um, yeah, just be a big ask for him to play thirteen. Be risky. Yeah, against the yeah, other Springboks. So they, yeah, that's I think in, that's is, an in-game. That's an in-game. Uh, decision made yeah it's not a it's not a start just on on what you're saying with Ioani and not having to deal with the with the Irish and the screens and everything he also hasn't played against uh, Willemse at 15 or Leroux at 15 who are currently um in peak form like like Willis maybe not in his best form but he's most certainly in significantly better form than the last time he played the All Blacks so Willemse and 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 or Vili, whoever's playing wherever are coming into that 12-13 channel, Rico is going to be struggling because his eyeline is going to have a massive Lucanio arm bearing down on him and he's going to have the feet of Willems or Vili um, uh, also kind of right behind. So I think we'll probably look to exploit that as well. As long as we can jam up um, the defense in, at 12, um, which if, if, if I think they've got RTS, they've probably got a a better chance of, uh, of the All Blacks have a better chance defensively if he can get into that space. But if not, South, uh, South Africa can most certainly jam up in the 10, 12, 12 and a half channel and, and expose Rico out wide if we've got Willemse and LaRue coming through and in the current form that they're in. Cooks, I know you've also been a, a, a proponent of, of giving RTS these um, two test matches against the Springboks. What do you see in them? Yeah, I just think um, he's one of the blues. Is he's sneakily strong? I think which comes from, I think the rugby, the rugby league background, and his incredible feet and and not incredible feet where you sort of you see the big side steps he has, which he can provide. For me, it's the it's the little nuance, the little step he has before before contact, and it reminds me a lot of when Damien Williams was playing twelve, and he was almost doing something similar for the blues and his, his ability to get over the contact line. And he, might, he, he might not look like the a similar Karevi or Damien Delendu, like the big 100 kgs, those are sort of, but he, he does it in a way where it's just, um, you know, incredible feet, oh, good offloader. And I, and, and I think that he will provide something different for the All Blacks and a spark that 
maybe their backline needed and, and someone that will allow them to sort of to sort of be able to ask different different questions that that um that they haven't been weren't able to ask Ireland. I think obviously the hard part it is a massive test to do it against Springboks. But um I think um if there's ever a time to see how he how he how he's able to go, I think this is this is the time now. I like it as well because it's not something that the Springboks have seen and didn't have the benefit of seeing in the super in super rugby. Obviously there's no South African teams there. So it is something that's a little bit out there that's perhaps um yeah, the, the Springboks might not be as prepared for as they would be if it was, you know, Jack Goodhue or Anton Leonard Brown. So, and I mean, they have played at least against Quintupaya. So this, this would be a, a little bit of a joke in the pack for the All Blacks to see how they, how they use it. And the, if, if they go the, to, um, if they go with RTS and Rico Ioni at 12 and 13, Barrett at 10, it is a combination that is a lot more familiar with each other than, um, the Havili at 12 and Rico combination. So that hopefully will fix some of the issues that they had in defense. But yeah, that is that remains to be seen. Cooks, let's go to you about what your biggest question is for the All Blacks. Oh man, I think for me, it's can they get their spark back on, on attack? I think it's that slash as well. Can they stop the bulk more? I think on attack is... There's, there's, there's several times with all against Ireland with the, with the all blacks to blunt and it's like the ball went through about five or six more phases and we talked about it in the group where he said like with the all blacks it almost felt like the more phases they had the ball the less likely they were going to score and it was like like they would have the ball for like, like ten phases in you like is Oaks aren't going to score I don't, it doesn't look like they have an idea how they're going to score it's one off runners here it's guys running into each other it's it, it's it's silly knock ons and and oh and and I think. Barring the 15 minutes against the 15 minutes where they just picked off Ireland and mistakes, and then the 10 minutes where Ardy just turned into a superhero, it's they haven't they, they the attack has not been it's just, it's just a little blunt, and I think um that's my biggest question is can they find that can they find that attack because I do think they have the sort of attack that can hurt the Springboks because it's weird with the Springbok rush defense. You look at Wales, they try to sort of force them out where Wales were trying to get the ball as wide as possible, sort of create one-on-ones with the wingers and they sort of hurt the box, especially in that first test with Reece Samet, whereas the All Blacks also have the sort of players that can get around the rush defence and sort of they have the skills to sort of pass in contact if the box rush, and we took last year, they're brave enough to sort of try and still go wide against the rush. And, and I do think if, if they can add that, they'll have that element, but if they can add pieces to the attack, I think they, that's, I think they can hurt us that way. And I think also... It's stopping them all. I know we mentioned about Jason Ryan, but I think that's the big thing. I think for them, it's stopping the bulk more because, man, if they defend them all the same way they defend against Ireland, it's going to be a very long two tests for the All Blacks. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point about the the attack and just what they need to do in order to stop the Springboks in order to have that attacking platform. It's, yeah, it, it, it's weird to see an All Black team win the more ball that they have or the deeper the phases go, the less of an idea that they have of what to do with it. So then it does become in the fourth, fifth phase, throw it to Jordan, throw it to Bowden, throw, throw it to Ardy and see what they can do with it. And that definitely needs to be a big focus for, um, for, for, for Ian Foster now that he is taking over the attack fully and with um, um, Joe Schmidt as his consultant there. 
that needs to be a big focus as to just lay some form of a structure in the attacking game plan. And again, I think it links to with what Sean's um, question was about the midfield. If there is maybe a midfield that's chosen that's, you know, two Blues um, <laughs> Blues brothers um, in the midfield with um, RTS and Rico, maybe there is a bit more attacking fluidity than there would be if it is a Chief and a Blue or a Hurricane and a Blue or something like that. So let's see how that goes. Sean, just with the... Just what what are your thoughts about the All Blacks attack? Um, we know all the threats that they have of individual players. We know Will Jordan will probably score at least two tries in this in in this tour. Um, he's just has that quality. We know how good Adi Savia is. We know how good Bowden Barrett is in attack. You know what 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 are you, what are the threats that you see for the box there? What do you think they can do to fix that attack for for Saturday? It's weird because when you look at, at the size that they've named is the backs, we would the only questionable space would very likely be at 10, where it's either Bowden Barrett or Richie Mwanga. And it's so weird how they, they're just not firing. So they're, they're struggling. There's obviously something going on. So they're, they're doubting things a little bit because they're not getting front football or uh, all, all that like they're used to then they're doubting themselves defensively and it's almost like that has crept into their attack um where they're relying on a, a moment of of brilliance like a barrett chip that just pops up into his hands and they can and they can run it or a um some piece of wizardry somewhere along the line and it's about them like i, I was chatting to someone yesterday and we we're talking about the all blacks and this time that they're spending in South Africa is probably could not have come at a better time for them. They, the, the Stormers have had it in the past. The Sharks have had it in the past where they've had absolute nightmare super rugby starts at home and then managed to get away for five weeks and go to Australia and New Zealand. And they've pulled it together. And I think that's what the All Blacks needed. They needed to get away from home, ironically, and just get away from all that, that sort of, noise that that shit that comes with what is currently happening in their rugby and come get to africa get spend some time in south africa away from everyone that they don't want to be around be they haven't been here for two three years maybe longer maybe four years i can't remember and just spend some time here get out of it get into your zone sort out your stuff fix the mistakes and go forward and and and, and get it going and i think it's a confidence thing and it'll come back very quickly they're in questionable form, and that's only against Ireland. It's not like they've been, they've been a little bit on the way down, but they're not exactly shit. Excuse my language. Like they, they, they are a game away or 15 minutes away from, from, from binding everything back together again. And this is why we need to keep our, our foot on their throats for the next 160 minutes. I must say, though, the opposite attack, I think the enforced taking off is taking almost, almost a hands on role with his. Um... With with his um, being a tech coach, I think it is something that he's been good at. I mean, we saw, I mean, even that's what he did for from twenty twelve to twenty nineteen, and and I think he's always trying to he's always be had, had innovative players and innovative ways to, where he sort of tried to get the way the orbs are playing, how he used different wingers and different and different players at ten. So I, I do think with with Ian Foster, I think he will come up with something more different uh, on attack. But like what Sean said, where also comes down to them, them a little bit, being a little bit more direct um, and, and, and just obviously using that pot. But I do think that Foster, as being almost an attack coach, I think it's something that 
he's it's his forte. It's he has he has a great success as the All Blacks as the All Blacks attack coach. I mean, going them to play some really really decent rugby. So I'm really excited to see what he does bring. I mean, like if he's if, if he's going to bring something something new. And I mean, like the, the, the only way they innovated against the island was hitting the third runner and it's and they had great success. And then sort of when Ireland figured out they didn't do anything else. So I, I, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what Ian Foster will have up his sleeve. I, I do think that the All Blacks, I don't think the All Blacks fear the Bok defense as, as, um, as other teams do. I think they, they in, in their heart of hearts, know they do think they can get around it. I mean, they've, they have, they have scored points. I mean, I think like, it's only the the hundreds test where, the, where we kept them under twenty points. Other than that, they they do feel like they can get success, and the, and the draw in, and the draw in um in in twenty nineteen. But those, they do feel like they can get success against our defense. Yeah, and I think for me, the 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 main thing that they need to do is to keep it simple and to use. You know, uh, to use a bit of boring rugby tactics in order to help get momentum for them. So, I think they were they weren't too far off with the Irish Test when they tried to keep it tight and then keep it, you know, pick up around the fringes, do pick up and goes because they were getting a bit of success with that. And yes, the the Springbok um, <laughs> Springbok forwards especially um, might not give them as much meters as maybe the Irish might, but it, it's still a way for them to get some momentum. Instead of just waiting for you know Aaron Smith to to set up with the three um, with the three runners and hitting the outside runner the whole time, so to mix it up with that with to mix up within that game plan of hitting that third runner, going you know doing a few pick up and goes and then trying to get some momentum through that, so that once the ball comes out to Bowden, it is quick and fast ball. And the second thing is Bowden Barrett might have okay maybe Johnny Sexton would it be in this conversation, but I think Bowden Barrett has close to the best um, short kicking game in the world. His cross kicks, grabbers, chips over, he's world-class at that. Use that. So especially if if the first test does see quickly Aronsa um, playing at 14, I would put Jordy, Jordy Barrett at, at 11 and just bomb up and unders at him for the first 10 minutes and just have Jordy, Jordy Barrett jumping up against him. And just in general, Jordy Barrett jumping against pretty much every, anyone in the world you'll probably get the ball. So I would use some of those boring tactics in order, number one, to get some meters for you, and number two, to get you to generate um, uh, quick ball because the quick ball isn't really coming because the the All Blacks haven't been great with racking and are refusing to pick, um, you know, a, a balanced loose trio that will have um, two players that are going to clear bodies at the racks that is still very much reliant on um, Sam Whitelock to do a lot of that work that maybe he's not you know as as able to do now that he's in, in his mid to late thirties. So they need to make sure that they have the balance in that um, in in their forward pack to have workers in that forward pack instead of some people that can take some plays off and some people that are standing on the wing and people that are not really committed in order to clear bodies to make tackles to make sure that the ball that the rack ball is as quick as possible and. Maybe that that will be the change in selection now. Like you know, uh, I'm sure people have seen the Squid Rugby video where um, Squid was highlighting the mistakes George Bauer was making in defence that caused some of the tries for Ireland. They they do need um, players that will have that work rate that that will commit to you know hitting you know 
20 to 30 rucks a game to making 15 to 20 tackles because you can't just be Adi Severe making a thousand meters and, and making those tackles and maybe Sam Kane and maybe one of the experienced locks. It needs to be everyone. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they select their team for Saturday. Sean? Controversial, but, um, and they most certainly are regretting it now, this, this year, 2022, um, um, is dropping TJ Perinara and bringing in um, Fakatava. Uh, the, I think that they've made, they made a decision to, they had two, between Smith and Perinara, they had two nines that were probably going to leave the All Blacks almost at the same-ish time. And I think they had to decide between one and obviously um, you're going to keep Aaron Smith. So they've dropped Perinara. Then obviously Weber was third. He moved up to second and then Christie came in. But now, you know, they've made some changes. So their, their scrum half problem which is a problem for them now. I really feel it is. It's a massive issue for them. Um, just in terms of what they need from a nine at the end of a game and in a tight game, in a, in a space where you need the guys to make accurate passes, phenomenal decisions and execute like legends. Um, they're missing that where they only have it with Aaron Smith at the moment. How that's going to reap the benefits um, in 23 and, and beyond, we'll, only time will tell. However, right now, one of their big issues is, is that, that decision to drop Perinara and focus on getting two other nines back in the mix that will take them further past the Perinara and Smith era. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. I, I, I do disagree with it because I just think that the, what, 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 what um, you know, obvi- obviously uh, Fakatava and Christie aren't ex- as experienced as Perinara and Weber, but just the dawdling that Perinara and Weber were doing with the ball um, in those tests where Aaron Smith wasn't available last year, I think Foster had enough and it was just slowing the ball down. And it's more difficult to get the ball out as a scrum off when your forwards aren't really giving you clean ball. But, and I think the nice thing about Perinara especially is that he can sort of take up the ball. He, he's quite big. He can sort of like fight off some um, forwards if, 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 if they haven't been cleared out. But I think it's you'd much rather just give um, Christian and Fakatava that ability to um, to try and see what they can do. Christie, I think, has good service. Fakatava, I think he's also just a running threat. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how the All Blacks, you know, put some of the things that they're good at together in order to make an attack. Because like Cooks mentioned now, it, it, it does fall apart after the second or the third phase where they haven't got that big um, clean break. And then, it does become a throw to someone and see what they do. And even the tries that they scored last year against the Springboks, a lot of them were like breakaways from just unstructured play. So I think the the big key for the box is to keep things structured, to keep things, you know, phase by phase, stanza by stanza, taking long water breaks and all that sort of stuff and taking long at the lineouts. Because if the game does become the ball is in play for now longer than a minute, you know, it's going back and forth. The the, uh, the 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 box kicked the ball, and then it comes into the hands of Walt Jordan in space, and he has like a forward in front of him. That's when the All Blacks can cut you into ribbons. But if it does become a line out thirty minutes late or thirty seconds later, another scrum, thirty seconds later, penalty, that sort of game plan, the Springboks will probably win nine times out of ten against the All Blacks. And 
we're going to hopefully have another podcast later in this week once we see the two sides to see how um, to to just preview the two sides and to see how uh, what what the plans might be for for the weekend. So we're gonna reserve maybe some of those sorts of like um, matchups and, and 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 previews of those sorts of things into that later. Now let's maybe go let's go um, to the Wallabies and see what 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 the big questions are around what they can do. Sure, let me start with you. What's your big question for the Wallabies? Um, how long is Quade Cooper out for? Um, <laughs> the, the thing for the Wallabies is, can they recreate their home form, which they showed against us last season, and build on that and take it away? Because I still think they're a little bit fragile, and we saw that against England. They put up a massive shot. They, can, they, can they plug those holes and, and sure up their foundation? which will come with, with players. There, there's quite a lot of chopping and changing. They've suffered with a few players that have, have performed or not performed and moved players around and stuff like that. And I think they need a little bit of continuity in certain positions just so they can sort of create that foundation. So my question is, can they manage to perform away from home and consistently? Yeah, I think consistency is the big word for the for the Wallabies right now. They just when you think you can back them and you can say, okay, I think the Wallabies have turned the corner. They are one of the, the you know the, the size near the top of world rugby. Then they lose a game, or you know, just when you think, ah, you know, the Wallabies are in a bad position right now. They have a few red cards. They're not performing well. Then they'll win that game. So they are a bit of a topsy turvy, upside down um team. Cooks, I think. You're, you've also been a member of the Wallaby um, bandwagon for the last uh, few years. It is a bit frustrating because you see some of the good things coming together, but it's just not it's it's not consistent. It's not you know every eighty minutes, every game that they're p- playing at the same level. Yeah, it is because you see you see glimpses. It, it, it almost feels like with the Wallabies, they're going to go down to fourteen men for them to win a big game, which has been well, besides with the box, which has been a big. Which has been a big thing for them after being the, the clinching against France last year, and obviously against England this this year. But um, they are a young team, I think. Um, and unfortunately, with a young team, that's what comes with it. Comes with those sort of mistakes and inconsistencies, and not being able to close out games they should have. But I think the Wallabies. I think the the big thing for them is it's 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 the Quake Cooper semi career. We've seen a big difference they made last year, and they're almost chalk and cheese. You see. Isn't if they're not playing, it makes a massive difference. Not there, Lulusio is a talent, um, but it's obviously I think it's he's going through that that, that that growing phase where he shows you glimpses of good he can be like like in the first test against England, but then there are there are times like the last two tests where you're like oh like this is what a young player is sort of learning the hard way. So yeah, I think yeah I'm still I'm still a member of the Wallabies bandwagon. Um, there's, there's a lot of talent there, and, and um, for me, it's they, they've got to find a way to start, like you say, being more consistent and start not because I mean they show glimpses like in the England series they could have easily won they should have their chance to win that series, but they have moments and where they, where they keep falling away. I mean, in the first 20 minutes of the last test, they could have scored three tries and the game is done. And I just think for them, it's they need to start cutting down those little errors and sort of. I, I still think I do think twenty twenty three is a bit earlier. I mean, the draw does favor them, but I do think for them, they sort of look like they're trying to peak towards twenty twenty seven 
and sort of a side that's really within with the young they side are. But yeah, like I said, they're frustrating to watch because they are a good side, but I'm really keen to see what um, Dave really does with them coming to the rugby championship. Yeah, so as it sounds like from what I've seen on social media, it does sound like Quaid Cooper is likely to be to be available for the Argentina, te- Argentina test, but it is still there's still some doubt about that. And of course, they still need to replace Samu Karevi, who's who was in the Commonwealth Games. It does sound like he might have picked up an injury in the Commonwealth Games, but um, Karevi said um, after the games that it all, you know, after the, the, the particular game that it wasn't that serious, but he wasn't able to play the, the knockout games. So there is definitely going to be changes at 10 and 12 from that first choice combination. Sean, you know, um, the Australians have, at 10, they can play either Lolisio as as the young player or James O'Connor if Quaid Cooper's not available. And then at 12, they have, you know, the likes of Hunter Paisami, Lalakai Fakheti, um, they also selected Ere Simoni, who's about to head off to France, which is quite interesting. And they will probably pair up with um, Lenny Kitao at 13. So would you maybe go with, um, you know, maybe a Brumbies 10, 12, 13 with Lolisio, Simoni, and, 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 and Iketao? Would you play Hunter Paisami at 12? Would you play James O'Connor and Hunter Paisami if Quaid isn't available? How would you set up that 10, 12 access for the Wallabies? I think bring back uh, Foley and Ghetto 10 and 12, just to sure up uh, with a bit of experience. <laughs> um, imagine, oh, I'd love to watch Ghetto play, play again. Um, the truth is, after Lolasio's grand fall out of the Wallaby setup last year, he's pretty much um, strung together a couple of important games uh, at important times. Um, so I don't see him not starting. However, the only thing that'll happen that'll force him out of that 10 jumper is if James O'Connor's fit and they choose to start James O'Connor. Um, so I think Lola Sio probably starts at 10 for me. And then, um, I think probably, I think they're probably going to go with the same 10, 12, 13, obviously without Karevi. Um, but the, uh, Karevi, am I getting confused now? He didn't play against England, did he? He did. He, in all three so tests. Karevi played, yeah, Karevi played all the tests. Ikitao didn't play test two and three, and they played Karevi and Paisami in the midfield. Yes. Who were the options at 12 again? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confused. 12 is um, Paisami, so the yes. Reds big uh, Yeah, the, no, the no, Reds I, mean, I, I know him. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you mentioned that he played at 13, I, confu- I got confused. But I think yeah. that, so that's Paisami's, probably where they're going to go. Lalasia, yeah, Paisami, and Ikita. Yeah. It, yeah. It, makes, then, it makes more sense. Yeah. I think it also, yeah, he's, Paisami's got the more, more experience than um, mm. Fiketi and um, Simone. So they also lost um, uh, uh, Parisi um, in the, I think it was in the second test. He had that horrible. Um, knee injury as well so they're gonna they miss him are losing a few options yeah they they have they have quite a bit a bit uh a, a bit of a, a, a injury crisis there and especially when especially, you consider that yeah especially for inside backs at, at 10 and 12 i mean if you look at 10 and 12 like what o'connor 
Cooper, Karevi, like it, it's crazy. And, um, and they're really struggling. So they're kind of plugging holes. But I think they're sorted at 10 and I 12 just needs to, to, need to get fixed up. They even still have a bit of an issue at 15 because, um, you know, Tom Banks obviously broke his arm. Jordan Pattaya, he's probably going to be back in time for the for the test. But yeah, he's obviously touch and go. And he, he always gets himself injured. Uh, Reese Hodge is probably the boring option. Um, he's almost like medicine. He's necessary, if, if not exciting. And then Jock Campbell, I think he's getting a lot of support on Aussie Rugby Twitter for Hopefully he gets a few games and he's seen as almost like a, yeah, uh, hopefully people take this the right way, but he's seen as almost like, as a Will Jordan-like um, option that he's able to break the game open with his ability. Maybe not necessarily as good, but he has that, that game-breaking ability that they can use. The RGs, um, the Pumas are there for the taking though, and I think that's massive for, for the Wallabies. The Wallabies are playing at home, but the Pumas are there for the taking. They, they, they really, they were, they came exceptionally close to becoming undone by by Scotland at home, and you would have expected them to win comfortably considering the amount the the players that Scotland took. So uh, I think the Argentinians are there for the taking, and and Chakes has a massive point to prove. So he did most certainly there there will be hair dryers thrown at halftime if if the Argies are not performing because Chakes is going to have egg on his face coming home. So I, I think the Wallabies will probably fancy themselves for this. They're, they're going to be properly up for it. I just wanted to add on, um, on Jock Campbell for our listeners, the space on the Jock Campbell bandwagon. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm getting into that bandwagon going. I am a massive, massive fan of his. I really do hope we get to see him. In, in Getting a, a cap or two, man, I, I, I love his game. Tall, great in the air. Um, just also, like, just like you're also one of those, like, I see that Will Jordan comparison because this is a bit lanky and like, you don't know how he sort of gets past defenders, but it just does. And um, uh, I know a couple of years ago, he was raw, raw, raw. And I think um, he's sort of getting, the more the more, the more comfortable he gets that 15 jersey, the more, and he can play a wing as well. But yeah, I'm a massive, massive Joe Campbell fan. And yeah, he's um, on that band record. And there's space there. There's, there's space there. Cooks, have we heard your question for the Wallabies yet? I think for me, the big question is, can they actually... Can they can they actually win the Bebelas? I think it's time. I think is this is there's no better chance than now to ever win it. I think for them it's they can't keep being oh we've got to win against the Wallabies everything's going to be okay. Um, we win against the All Blacks everything's going to be okay. We're building and then get pummeled the, the, the weekend after. Um, I think they are good enough. I think the, the the gap is slightly closed for them to sort of make a first of, of trying to win the the Bledis low. And um, I think that's a the, their big question. That's something that for them. Is probably probably bigger than winning the rugby championship, and I think they have the the tools to do it. And I think those are catching the All Blacks a bit later in the season, as opposed to the first two games as, as coming out of the July test. I do think that by the time they get to their semi we could possibly be back, and Cooper should be back, and then they'll have gone through they'll have gone through four tests, and then getting to the Wallabies at the All Blacks, and sort of gone through combos, and so they might have. Be hitting the the All Blacks at a good time as well. So I think the big the question is then is can they finally break the duck and win the and win the blade as low? Okay, Cooks. You see the way you you started off with that like you got me all all sort of pumped up now. 
I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a little wage on it. I'm gonna jump onto bet.co.za and I'm I'm gonna say the Wallabies are gonna are gonna beat the All Blacks and win the Bled is low in twenty twenty two. My question, Cooks, is should I be doing it now or should I be doing it in two weeks' time when the All Blacks could potentially have got a win in on South African soil? Oh, Sean, it's, I think do it now. I think this is the oh man, this is a tricky one because it, there is an Eden Park test. You know the you know, the are sneaky there. They're always sneaking two Eden Park tests <laughs> in the calendar here, like the, the Islander. It's almost like. <laughs> It's almost like they knew they were going to be like touch and go as a side. So they're like, let's play more at Eden Park this year. Just in case we're not such a great side, we have Eden yeah, Park. They're, they're playing four home games this year. Two of them at Eden Park. Like, <laughs> um, well, five home games and then two Eden <laughs> Park. But yeah, sure. I think that, that is a good rager. Um, it's, it, my thing eventually is it's got, if they eventually got to win it. I mean, they've had, it's been since 2002 the last time they held it. It was 2003. Like, it's a generation of kids. Jared was even born. <laughs> a generation of kids. They've, they've never seen the Bears <laughs> Cup in the Wallabies except for when they, 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 they bring it out before the game. Like They've never seen a Wallaby captain lift the Bears. And, and, and there's, some, there's some kids that are, that are 18 years old that still don't know how many cans of beer fit in there either. Like this is, we, the Wallabies just need to do it for a generation of children. Like do it for the people. You yeah, know? it can't be like this Bears is this mythical thing. They just... Um, that just that just belongs to New Zealand. I think <laughs> like I was in, but, like, so, next, next year's twenty years. Like people are, like kids have got like, woken up in like in varsity. They've got to graduate and just like just never seen like the like George Gregan was still playing and and all those and they weren't even in their prime yet. So like they're, they're probably they're prime. Gre- oh man. Gregan's retired retired from rugby. And he's retired from punditry. I mean, he's gone through two retirements and they still haven't won yeah, it no, back it's, yet. No, it's hectic. But I, I do think, like, like eventually they've got to win it again. But, like, but then again, like, is this the Wallaby side to, to go and to go and beat the All Blacks at Eden Park? If, also, if Ian Foster loses to Argentina for the first time, loses a home record, the home test is only for and lose the better slow. He better move to Japan and just never go back to New Zealand ever again. No, mate. Japan is a chip and a putt, bro. They could still send missiles over and clean him out. He's got to move far away. Yeah, it comes to Africa. You cannot. You can't have those three things. I think if that happens, they'll probably fire him at half time. They'll, they'll probably give him a. They'll give him a ring at like half time. Like, mate, just don't even bother speaking to the boys. You are done, done. Like, like you've got to go. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I guess like my scan card's not working. Why, why am I not being allowed into the changing room? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, if he if he loses the blade slow, he better come coach the, the UWC Varsity Cup team or something. Like, there's no job for him in, in New Zealand and in the Pacific. Like, he's absolutely done after that. Um, the, yeah, I'm so I would love for that to happen, but I am so yeah. It, it's just it, it. I'm so bummed that this is the one year. Or this is this is the year that they've changed the Bledisloe format to two tests instead of three, which means that the Wallabies have to win both tests in order to win the Bledisloe Cup. They are obviously facing the All Blacks at the end of the competition, and that might mean that they have a bit more confidence by then. So this year might be actually the one year that you'd want to face oh, them so first. So, so, like so there's no there's no third uh, Bledisloe Cup uh, Bledisloe test, which is normally outside oh. the the win, like the championship window. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 
So there's only two tests. So they've only no, limited to two tests. So the Australians it's have to sweep the All Blacks. Well, it was up in the All Blacks twice in a row. No. <laughs> I thought... They can do it, man. Two tests, they, they can do it. Remember, they can win one test in a three-match series, and then and then it all goes it all goes belly up. Don't they have to win on aggregate, or do they have to win both tests? They have to win yeah, both tests. Yeah, because the All Blacks could have won one. It's like those old school rules. Oh, okay, more heartbreak for the generation of kids in yeah, Australia. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and obviously, the one of the tests is in Eden Park. It's the second test as well. So. They lose the first test in Australia. Australia's looking high. And then they have to go to the Garden of Eden to win the second test. Unlikely. Let's just let's just put it at unlikely. The box actually I'm sticking I'm sticking to it. Cooks, you got me pumped and ready. I'm sticking to it. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna win yes. the letters though this year. We love it. We love it. The box also. We've got to find a venue in this country. Like I know we've lost a game in PE, but I mean, like, like, or like, somebody in this park or something. We don't find a venue where this, that that becomes like a, like that, that becomes almost like our our, our Eden Park. Like, like, and we, even we, as fans, we don't complain about it. We, like we can, we're playing England, and we like listen. We're playing them at the Cricket Stadium. That's what's happening. The third test, just in case if anything happens in the series, we get to go there, and and we know we for sure a W. But also like. Everyone's like, yeah, but I was saying something like, yeah, but we're taking them to Ellis Park. The only big game where All Blacks have lost to Ellis Park was the 95 World Cup. They always seem to be, they love beating us at Ellis Park since then. Except for the, and then the Lambie game, obviously. But like, I think they, they're more home at Ellis Park <laughs> than we are. And like, we can't send them to Cape Town. I just think like, we need to find, like, we need to stop sending the All Blacks, send them to Mombella. If we, if we win the, the Mombella test, that's our new fortress. That, that's where the All Blacks play. They come here. If that, they, they're playing at George Uchinooka Park. We need to find a way. We need to find our own little Eden Park. I'm so tired of like, it was like, like I love watching, I'm excited to go to Ellis Park. But guys, they win there all the time. Like they win we there all the time. We, we need to send them the Mbombella and Bloemfontein. Those are the two. I reckon, I'll call it now. Those are the two that we need to send them. Durban's also a, a, a great spot for them to go. No, jeez, Durban. Oh, yeah. I agree. I, I thought you were about oh, to say. Yeah, 50 the last time in Durban. We suck at Durban in every time. sport. Keep them away from Cape Town. Must make they, yeah. they need to make shit uncomfortable for them. It must be uncomfortable, man. <laughs> That's why I think Mbombele is a great way to start. It needs to be. It needs to be like like Gritco Park. That would be great. There you go. Enjoy the dust and your hay fever. We'll see you in a couple of yeah, minutes. Yeah, I think Park. <laughs> and we go to Sandzone. And we go. Listen, when you play the All Blacks, our game they're kicking off at one o'clock in the afternoon. As hot as it can be, yes. And like if you, if you guys want to watch the games, tough tacky. We we got UFC people to worry about now. That's our, that's our new. That was our friends. We're just here to keep the peace. So we're gonna play our games at one o'clock at Cricket Park. If you don't like it, we'll leave this competition too. You can play the Wallabies as well and see how you guys play. One o'clock, <laughs> one o'clock in Kimberley at the end of November. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, oh, like, why are we so nice? I'm like, 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 you know, we just like, we just keep giving the, the like, the all blacks like, the, like the luxury. And now they, they, like, I don't think they, like, I don't think they fear Ellis Park unless like we can bring on Susie back and 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 and, and, and her cooking maybe. Unless she can, <laughs> she's making a return. I don't know. We're going to do something. And I mean, it's not even that scary going to Mbombela. I mean, cool. It is now sprayed at Mbombela. It is a smaller town than Johannesburg is, but won't they just spend their week at like Krug or something like that? Like 
that's not making them uncomfortable. I mean, ask ask me if I want to go to somewhere in Pumalanga and and be paid to go to any or one of their game reserves around there, even if it's not Kruger. I I take that at any time. So I think to to get the solution to your problems here, gents, we need to take them to the middle of the country, Bloemfontein or Kimberley. There's nothing else for you to see. They yeah, they will not Maybe enjoy that. Sport. But Maybe. I tell you, you know, <laughs> you, you send them to Mbombella, to Nelspray, to all around there, but you tell them straight off the bat, guys, we're having ele- electrical problems in the country. As you know, it's been going for decades. None of the electric fences work. You may not leave your rooms. Good luck practicing your moves or the move in this little hall over here. This tiny little, there's basically just a rectangle building with a roof. And there you go. You train there on the dustpan. Yeah, I don't know if we remember the like early 2000s All Blacks and Australian sides, like when they used to come here and, and used to tour either for Super Rugby or the Tri-Nations then, they would cause havoc in, in like the cities and the nightclubs after the games. Like there's many a legendary story of what the All Black or the New Zealand players used to do in Cape Town and Tiger Tiger uh, back in the day. So you take away their nightlife, you're taking away... Um, you know, you're making them play in the heat, you're making them play in the afternoon, you're making them play in the hard ground. I think that's the only way that we can build a bit of a fortress against the All Blacks um, in the next few years. Cooks, so I think what the what, what we need to pitch to Sanzo or what we need to pitch for next year's games is Kimberley, one o'clock. Um, they're not allowed to go out. Like Sean said, they have to be like in some sort of quarantine or, or make up some sort of governmental reason why they have to be in quarantine. And they can't they, they 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 can't enjoy any of the nightlife there as well. Hundred percent. That's the pitch. If they don't like it, we're gonna go join the Six Nations. So it's very simple. <laughs> Beautiful, short and sweet. You know, no one needs these long, drawn out death death by what's it PowerPoint presentations. Simple. These are the rules, and if you don't stick to them, this is where we're going. Thank you. Thank you. Now, bye bye then. Yeah, I think just to round off on the Wallabies, I think my question for them is just how Rory Arnold will impact um, their selection, um, impact their game plan. You know, we've seen Rory Arnold obviously cause havoc for, for Toulouse. He's obviously a, a very, very big boy and he will add some quality into the lock depths for, 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 for the Wallabies. So, Sean, up front, Australia has made, I think, some progress with, with their team. Um, Pedro Duplessis has been able to really um, grow and, and strengthen the Wallaby scrum. Taniela Tupo and Angus Bell, unfortunately, Bell's injured, but they've both grown as scrummages. They just, yeah, they haven't really had the quality at lock that most other countries have at the moment. But Rory Arnold can change those things, um, certainly, if, if he's playing at top form. Yes, he can. A little bit off topic, but can we just take a moment to appreciate South African scrum coaches? Obviously, we have one at the Springboks. Scotland have got Peter de Villiers. England have got Proudfoot. And Australia have got Petrus Duplessis. And none of those, well, Scotland are questionable, but they've been performing. I mean, none of those guys are really horseshit. I mean, how awesome is that? Anywho, um, I think, I th- the, uh, listen, Rory Arnold's going to make a monumental difference to them. And it just all goes down to, securing just clean and comfortable ball, plus he's great defensively um, in the line-out as well. 
Um, I think he gets around the park. I think it's been someone or a type of player that they, they really have been missing. And he's going to integrate back into that Wallaby side almost seamlessly, I feel. Um, so we'll, we'll probably almost see a massive difference straight off the bat when, when, he, when he plays. Cooks, my other secondary question, and this is both for New Zealand and Australia, is what, what weapons will the likes of um, Dan, uh, Dan Coles, Darcy Swain, maybe Tolulata gets um, brought back? What sort of weapons will the Wallabies and the All Blacks use when they play games in order to take advantage of the 20-minute red card? Do, are we going to see some, some tables, ladders, and chairs like it's a WWE match? Will there be steel? Will there be hammers, sledgehammers, um, brass knuckles? What do you think Dan Coles will do um, in the first few minutes of the, of the test match on Saturday? Dankles is definitely, definitely bringing out a little, what you call it, a little knuckle buster, William Regal style. I think that's that's definitely coming out early. Um, that's, that'll get set off. I mean, I feel like the, especially the, 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 the Australian and New Zealanders have mastered the Twin Red Card after the thousands that were sent out as very Pacific. So, I mean, they're well versed in this. I mean, this is this is their territory. I mean, Scott Barrett, obviously, he's a big candidate. Um, he, might, he might come flying on top of the poles, diving elbow style, just, 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 just sort of do something, something extreme like that. But um, I definitely do expect uh, one or two red cards coming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we might be lucky if we only get one or two. Um, just judging by how much <laughs> it seems like Sands are, and especially our brothers in Australia and New Zealand are, uh, are prioritizing entertainment over anything else. So, yeah, I think if, 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 if the betting markets are there, um, a red card for one of Dan Coles or Scott Barrett early in the game next or this week will, will be quite easy money to make. So let's move on to our final team, Los Puma. Oh, Sean? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got into no, this a little bit late. My apologies. Um, <laughs> one thing that's going to be interesting about this 20-minute red card, and as much as I hate it, is I think when we're looking at Thomas Tatoy, Kevin Yakane, when we're having those sorts of front rowers that have the ability to play both sides at test level will, could potentially help us because so many sides, even if they have a guy that can play both sides, wouldn't normally nominate him to play on the other side because the laws have allowed for that, that sort of interchanging. But after that absolute balls up against, um, against Ireland, well, after Ireland made that massive balls up by not enforcing an extra player to go off, I think, you know, the other sides have to be really, really careful. You, you, like the guys, I mean, the couple of guys we mentioned, they're, they're like front rankers. And if you do something stupid early, like you, you're really, really under pressure, especially with the way that most sides play with their front rows, changing them after 55 to 65 minutes. Um, the box change them after half time, most times. So it's going to be quite an interesting balance of what goes on. And I'm not by any means saying that the guys are going to just be a little bit more reckless. I think the South Africans will probably be a little bit more disciplined because we haven't really been practicing it as much. Um, and I use that term loosely, practicing, because the All Blacks and Wallabies have been playing it the whole year, so they're comfortable with it. I just think we need to manage ourselves a little bit better. But I hope these Oaks get paneled on this, that it's the same guy off with the HIA, possibly, or off with an injury or pulled a hamstring or something, a front rank and then another front ranker getting sent off, then I want to see how quickly the attitude changes. Yeah, and I don't think there'll be too many um, props from, especially in New Zealand, they'll be like, yeah, I can play both sides of the scrum, which if that means that they have to play 
close to 80 minutes against the Springbok pack. I don't think anyone will be volunteering for that um, intentionally. So let's move over to Argentina. Cooks, what's your big question for them? They have Michael Checkers is back. Oh, not back. Michael Checkers is back in the rugby championship, but he's now at the helm of the Argentinians. They won their test series against Scotland in the absolute last minute. They have seemed to get back all of their um, European-based players, but they weren't convincing against Scotland. So what do you think is their big question? Are they going to be able to win a game even um, this, this, year, this, um, in this edition of the rugby championship? I think they are. I think they are able to win a game. I think for me, the big serious question is, like I said, like almost through the Wallabies, can they string two good performances together back to back? I think the big thing with them is they good one week, make history, win, win beat the, one of the three sides, then the next week they put up, almost put an absolute stinker where they get pummeled. I think with, with, the, with, the, with Argentina, what's been is the highs are very high. But the lows are they're just sort of red cards. It's ill-disciplined. It's it's you know it's it's scrappy, and then they sort of just get get hammered by one of the sides. So I think for them is can they just almost find a middle ground where they sort of you know what to expect because now the world because you, you we could catch for example Argentina where we can, they catch us on a bad day or we catch them on a great day and beat the box or beat the All Blacks and or beat the Wallabies. So I do think they can beat the Wallabies. Or it's an Argentina that just sort of they lackluster. And also, this, another question is they need to find the, the person who sang the anthem when they sang, when they beat the All Blacks, when they beat us in 2015. Find that person and make sure they're available for six game stretch and just travel with that person because whenever they, whoever sang those anthems, they, they knew that they gave them the right emotions, the right amount of tears. They need to find that person and, and just travel with them for the next six weeks. Yeah, if that if they sort of click that sort of passion and focus um like circle and, and, and sort of nail the, the, the middle of that, then Argentina will be very dangerous when, when they're able to sort of mash those two things together. I mean, they also could be big benefactors of this twenty minute red card. Um, you know, this probably you can call the twenty minute red card the Thomas Lavanini rule probably because you know, we know how much how much he likes to collect those cards. So they can actually have Thomas Lav- Lavanini start a game he comes off and then they can actually replace them. That would, that would, that would be a much ide- more ideal, ideal situation for their team. Sean, what's your big question for um, Argentina? Um, my, it is also around about discipline and it's just purely about, I want to see them keep, play this entire rugby championship with 15 players on the field at all times. But other than that, <laughs> I don't have too much else. I'm, I, I didn't watch a lot of them. Uh, I just know that they, they potentially like they, they're weird. They can they can dominate and then they can absolutely have a stinker, uh, as as was mentioned. But I just I think that's it. I think they must just play with fifteen players on the park for the entire rugby championship, and that'll be a win for for them as as a rugby country for starters. Yeah, I think also uh, uh, what a bit of a selection battle to watch is the Sanchez versus Santa Carreras um, battle that's 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 been happening the last few um, games. So Sanchez, obviously the more experienced player, Carreras actually mostly plays, I think, wing and fullback for for Gloucester, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he doesn't always play at fly half, and but he's trusted as the flyer for for Argentina. So 
it'll be interesting to see if they are going to transition from Sanchez. Maybe they're going to use him off the bench or use Carreras off the bench. I think Argentina is almost in between a few, like two eras now where, you know, the likes of um, Sanchez, um, uh, Kubeli, um, Augustin Crevy, they're the older, older campaigners. Are you going to phase them out completely or are you going to keep them in for experience purposes and then sort of introduce the new players, the likes of um, Carreras, uh, Lucio Sinti, um, Gonzalez as well, and the loose, loose trio and see how the, those players are balanced. But yeah, I think it'll be uh, hopefully a much better um, series for some of those less heralded players for Argentina, the likes of Kramer, the likes um, of of um, Junior Montoya as well. I think he's possibly the best hook in the world right now. I think he's been playing amazingly um, for for Leicester. He played he played great for Argentina as well. And just to see those sorts of players and 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 play closer to their quality. They've they've got the Australians for two test matches at home. They've got the Springboks also for one test at home. They've got two matches away to New Zealand, which depending on the results after the 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 Springbok tour for New Zealand will probably be the worst two tests that they, that you can face if the All Blacks are angry after those those defeats. So I think the best chance for Argentina to win games is probably in this in this two week period where Australia is also not at their best. They can maybe hopefully sneak at least one win over them. And yeah, if, if the Springboks are planning to maybe rest and rotate players near the end of the rugby championship, then there's an opportunity to win a game there. But it'll be interesting to see what um, Michael Checker does and how he and what what he does for combinations and how he sort of incorporates the new with the old. Because in that um, test series against Scotland, he used a lot of players. I think he used close to like thirty something players, and he just constantly just rotated the team the whole time. So maybe. The, he's also just trying to see who the best combinations are. So I think this is now the time to make some predictions and to predict what our um, top four will be at the end of the rugby championship. So it's six games in the rugby championship. Usually the team that wins you, wins five of those games. Usually that team's name is New Zealand. But are we going to see a new rugby championship champion in, in, in this year's edition? Sean, I'll start with you. What is your prediction? Who's going to be number one, two, three, and four? Springboks, All Blacks, and Australia, same points. And Argentina, fourth, but that could potentially be on same points. I think, I think it might go down to the last two weeks, um, the, last, the final two weeks, which would suit us. However, having said what, we say, what I said earlier about the squads and what we know, what would happens against the, uh, the Argentinians. Like sometimes we change up our squad, but yeah, I think, I think South Africa, I'm totally going with my heart here. Um, South Africa and then the All Blacks and the Wallabies tied on points with the Wallabies, Bledisloe champions and Argentina very, very close behind in fourth. I love that. That is full chaos. Just, having to get out all the calculators, count bonus points and tries and all that sort of stuff. Sure, is awful for chaos. Cooks, what's go. your uh, prediction? It mustn't, you mustn't, it mustn't be an um and an R. It's going to be straight out shitstorm all over the show. <laughs> I, I can't wait to get my math, maths degree just trying to count how many tries for and points difference and the Springboks need to win by 43 points in order to win in the last round. That'll be awesome ending for the rugby championship. Cooks? 
<laughs> I'm going away from the chaos. Uh, Box, All Blacks, Wallabies, Argentina. I think Argentina do get a win. Um, but I think the Springboks play six, win five, lose one. The one will be in Ellis Park because we are being very nice and allowing them to play at a stadium they do like enjoy playing at. But yeah, I think the box will lose the one in Ellis Park and then they'll clean sweep. Australia twice away. I think we break that. We break that duck, and I think we beat. Wow. And I think we beat the Argentina twice as well. I think we go to Australia. We break that duck. I think it happens. This is the year. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that 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 is way bigger than my call. For South Africa, <laughs> for the Springboks to go to Australia and win twice. After playing the All Blacks, that is, I think that's bigger than Michael. That is massive. Remember, I love least, it. At least one, Crooks, I absolutely love at least, it. At least none of those games are in Townsville or Brisbane where we seemingly not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should be fine. Smallville. I mean, Adelaide's not that much better. I think we're playing one of those games in Adelaide and the other. Let me just check quickly. It's Adelaide and Sydney. So at least we're missing out on, on Brisbane, which we always lose to. But Adelaide has that small town Perth kind of feeling. So maybe that's not going to work out for us. Yeah, but I mean, it's a cricket stadium as well. So I mean, like it's, if they want if to if if <laughs> cricket stadium, it's a bit smaller. And they want us to try to get, get physical as a box. Good luck. Um, um, and Sydney, they've, they, they've seen lots of heartbreak in Sydney. I mean, Johnny Wilkinson sank them in Sydney. So the, all they know, they, they, they just know it hurts there. <laughs> that that's a game we need to have France Stein playing with his boot just to give them a little bit of uh, PTSD. <laughs> hey guys, you remember what happened at this stadium with the good kicker? Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what we need to do. But yeah, I think the box two win in Australia. I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think that's something's going to change. I think. Oh, Jesus, I mean, last season I don't know what happened in those two games, especially that second test in Australia. But I think we we sort of right those wrongs. Oh, I actually, very interestingly, I just see that the Adelaide game is also in the afternoon. So it's 7.30 hour time. So it's going to be in the sun. Like, yeah. what's the plan here? That's, Why? that's the third week. The third week. I, I was yeah. actually having a look at the fixtures this morning. Our first test against Australia is before the All Black Argentina test. Yeah. So it's, it's um, 7.30 a.m. Yeah, it's... It's crazy. I, I looked at that and I'm like, no, nah, there's something wrong Same here. Thing. But it's legit. How, how, how are we watching um, test matches with Chris and ours? I mean, last year they made us play nine at a stage. <laughs> like, you still have And know. then we're going to play three. Oh, look, oh, he's like at five o'clock where it suits everyone. This, this is what I'm telling you. Why are we being so nice? Hop past seven. <laughs> like, what time is I've my first beer? Hop past four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you just don't yeah, sleep. Just, just don't that's, sleep. That's, that's probably the like, point. Like, 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 <laughs> there's a chance that I might miss the book game because I'm just oversleep. Like, I'm like, it's not even a, like, like, imagine waking up, some poor soul doesn't know what's going on. You just wake up, you go on channel 211, you say, oh, there's rugby on. No, this is last week's game. You're like, you see live at quarter past eight. You're like, what? I've missed for like 45 minutes of a book test. Like, just because, like, when are you going to blitz? No, there's going to be, that is wild. There's going to be some poor soul that's going to, um, maybe miss the New Zealand Argentina game. Be like, ah, let me do some morning errands or a breakfast date or whatever. <laughs> Comes back to their TV at twelve, ready for the box wallabies. <laughs> they see some rerun of the Griquas versus Pumas Curry Cup final, or something like that. <laughs> well, that's sensational. If I'm not mistaken, the uh, um, 
the, the Kiwi and Aussie women are playing two weeks. Those two weeks is the first test that week. So they might be playing that, that, that batch. They're all oh, getting ready for the, for the Women's World Cup. World Cup. So that, that post-All Black-Argentina game, that, that's usual South Africa Wallaby slot, um, that, that 12 o'clock midday game, it could be taken up by the, by the, the Black Ferns and the Aussie women. So that, whoever is missing that is in for a huge surprise. Sure, Get some good ruggers, though, so, to, be, so, to be fair. Are the Wallabies playing at 12 on that day? No, they're playing at no. nine. Like, see, the All Blacks, at least they respect us. Like, that's, that's, like, I can't watch a game. Before, like, like, I can't watch a test before the All Blacks. It's only Japan time. Like, if Japan's playing, maybe. Like, <laughs> what the <laughs> Japan, France, Where are we Ireland, like, Ireland, All Blacks. Like, what is yeah, it? Like, that's hard I know last year, like, I, like, voted for us to stay in the rugby championship, but I take it all back. When are we leaving this competition? Like, where are we going? Like, what are we doing here? Hop for seven. Kick off. Like, what's a, what's a ten? What, what do you do all day? At like nine. But then what do we do? Like, you just like watch the All Blacks and you're like, guys, there's no rugby until like 11 o'clock, like until like the next week. That is, that is so selfish. I'm so done with the Wallabies. The next year, the Wallabies are coming here. Yeah, at least. But you know how bad your day is when your team loses in the morning? Oh. That's that's the worst. Oh, and, you a, and you missed the first half. And you missed the first half. You missed the first half. You're snoozing. <laughs> yeah, I think we all watch some American sports. So you watch your team, like, obviously, those are much more ridiculous hours for us. You watch your team and they lose. And six o'clock, you're already your day's ruined. It's the worst. Nothing can cheer you up. At least you go back to bed. Madness. Like, that's, that's the one thing. But, like, imagine, like, sitting at your house. At ten to nine, in the box, they've lost. At ten to nine, or on the reverse side, the box of one. How do I convince my girlfriend? Like, and then I'm gonna start having a beer from ten until twelve, then like fourteen hours of just having beer and celebrating. And then, <laughs> and then only light the fire after the after the first case is finished. Yeah, but and then it starts all over again. And also now it's like, <laughs> like the first thing is like the, the ladies are gonna use it against us. Now they can go like, you can watch the box top at seven, and we go to the market at eleven. So it's like a win-win. Eh? Like you still have, you're still going to the market, which you're trying to avoid. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but I tell masters. you, we could. We need to. We need to put together some our thinking caps. And next week's pod, we need to tackle how we can absolutely screw the Aussies when they come to us to South Africa next year. Because they'll, if all goes according to plan, I really like this this system. By the way, the the rugby championship, how they grouping these little mini tours together. I, I, I quite it's like it. It's a World it. Cup here next year. Just remember that. Oh, so it's going to be shortened. Damn it, man. Yeah. But we've got to get the Aussies <laughs> here. And we must kick that game off at 11 o'clock in our time in the morning. Yeah. Those Oaks must get up. Them. It must be... There's, I'm trying to think the worst time to play a game, like for to get up, like 3 o'clock in the morning. That's the worst. That's not even night. It's not morning. Yeah. It's like I'm, it's I'm, like bang I'm, in the I'm, middle. I'm all for In the this. twilight zone. I'm all for that show. Like it's like awkward. Like you gotta like, sit in alarm at like like you gotta go to sleep at like half past four in the afternoon. So, it's, like, so you can be ready to be like <laughs> and like I, I want them to wake up. And and and, and I know rugby's dying, you know, in, in the wallabies. Like this must be like almost the final nail in the coffin. Like why watching the wallabies at yeah. two in the morning? 
Like, yeah. Yes, they've got to get their coffee ready and everything beforehand. So they just put the kettle on and then fill up the cup. Like that kind of yeah. that kind of stuff. Where you actually watch the game in your pajamas because you know you're sleeping afterwards. Like you can't do anything. Like, <laughs> and, and I wanted to be inquiry as to why rugby union is dying in Australia because of the horrible time. I wanted to be a national disaster. I want, I want I want the game to be like they can't field five super rugby teams because of playing games at three in the morning. That's what I want to happen. Oh, well, let me to sort and of a dip, a real dip. They can't pay Dave Rennings, so they'll, they'll fire him. Like, I, want, I want all that mess of making me watch a game at Hopper 7 in the morning on a Saturday. And they can't get hold of Rennie or Hooper because we put them in like a cell phone dead zone, like somewhere <laughs> at the bottom of a, of a mine, like an open mine dump somewhere where there's no reception and they can play there. That's what I want. But they can't, like there's no reception. Like they leave there and they have 5,300 WhatsApp messages come onto their phone. <laughs> like stuff like that. So I, want, such, I, I can still work off the game. That's the worst. But like, I can't be like, okay, guys, I can't go to work today because the box are playing. You know, like, you can watch the box and go, and go to a derby day afterwards. I'm like, oh, jeez. Thanks, Wallabies. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> like, thank you. Like, I can still go about my normal day. Oh, my word. I'm done. Just with, this, with three hours, with with what three to five hours less sleep and a, and a massive loss under your belt. Yeah, sounds geez. amazing. I hate the wallabies now. Like now, <laughs> sounds, you know, they're growing on me, but no more. <laughs> you know amazing. what? I think I have a solution for everyone. We saw that Uganda drew, drew to the to the Aussie Sevens team. Maybe we invite Uganda into the rugby championship now. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Make it an African thing. Like, you know what? And the All Blacks, because we like them. Like, you know, just come over for a bit and see the world of the full now. Go, go play again. Go make your own fixtures. Go play against the rugby league teams if you want. I, I tell you what. <laughs> because it'll take so long for Sanzar to rubber stamp that, we must just now build the game in Africa and we play Wallabies twice in Uganda. That's, that's a quicker fix. Twice yes. in Uganda. I am in for that. And they and 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 they and they they play the whole game in borrowed boots because their their luggage went missing. Or anyway, in Africa, like it, it, every team we've invited that to come and play, like in the like Georgia and Kenya, like the Sables. One of the one of the, the reward of them come to play, like in the Krakow First Division, is they get to host a Wallaby Test. That's what we should do. That's the incentive. And then there's like which like Namibia. next year in Namibia, next, next other years in Ghana, and it's in Angola. Like it just we just send them all, all over Africa. <laughs> And just like, like ask, ask the, the state, hey, we want to grow the game. Could we play them there as well? Just, just anyway, it's like uncomfortable for them. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Oh, I did not expect that just asking for Cook's prediction would start the mother of rants. I'm sorry for letting you know that the game is at is in the morning in Adelaide. That's a warning, me, actually. Um, if I, I, I would have known, I would have missed it. <laughs> I mean, look... <laughs> That's like why he's so angry because that's legit. That 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 worst case scenario was legit. Him in three weeks' time, <laughs> legit. Uh, I can't wait to see someone's Twitter saying, "What the hell's going on? Why am I watching the Curry Cup or why am I watching the Wallaroos play?" But yeah, we will we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And and yeah, maybe maybe guys, maybe morning rugby will work for us. I mean, we did it for the Super Rugby during COVID. Remember, when we had to wake up at like what four, five thirty for. For those games, yeah, but you're proud of rugby. Then we we fine now. We're wearing masks. We're back to football. <laughs> like when, when the pandemic, got to watch rugby like at two in the morning. <laughs> oh, those are crazy times. Okay, my prediction. I 
think it'll be separated by bonus points, but I think for once it will work in the box favor. So box or blacks tied for four wins. Box will lose one. They will lose this weekend. Then they'll lose one in Australia. And that's 7.30 game. So that the whole country is pretty much down in the dumps at nine, nine o'clock in the morning. They're going to win the other four games. And then the All Blacks are also going to win four games. They're going to win one in South Africa. And then they're going to drop one against the Wallabies and still retain the Breslow Cup. And then we're going to be finally the team that wins via bonus points. So now we're going to have to use Bafana, Bafana mats and see the permutations and all that sort of stuff. But it will actually work out for us this time. So a few calculations will be needed, like Sean said, but we will actually get through this time. So I think we... We have pretty much comprehensively previewed the rugby championship and pissed off all of our Australian fans. So I think we can round off round up the podcast from that respect. Sean Cooks, thank you so much. I appreciate your thoughts and your um, discussions on how to fix the game. Sean, we will definitely take that um, idea forward to to San- well, probably not to Sanzo. Maybe we can start our own Rebel um, rugby championship competition now. Oh, mate, thank you so much and. Just a quick shout out to the, the Blitzbox um, on their Commonwealth win, uh, gold medal, yeah. and also the, uh, the SA ladies on their first win off South African soil when they beat Japan this weekend. Is her name um, Nadine Russ, the one that yes. had that amazing line? Jeez. Yes. That's like the line of the year. That was incredible. Sensational. And the best part is she's not only done that, she's kept it together absolutely wrong-footed to defenders and then managed the offload for the assist. Like, absolute world class but flip man what a line she's she's run she's run from the field to two fields back she's run from so deep man it's ridiculous yeah that run reminded me of john cohen in 1987 like just going in and out the whole time like he really just bamboozled those um japanese defenders but she literally like in the in the camera shot she came out of absolutely nowhere to score that so that was fantastic so yeah big shout out to our to our women's box team for for their win against japan big shout out to the blitz box yeah. I'm sorry, she, you're right. She came out, out of shot, but when she came out of shot, she was at 100% pace as well. <laughs> she was absolutely shunting. No, it was, it was, it was so yeah. good to watch. So, and great finish as well by the winger as well. Incredible finish to finish there. Yeah, so I'm killing my number. She, I think she literally just <laughs> was handing off that, that one defender like three times there in that try. And yeah, massive shout out to the Blitzbox. I've never seen a team dominate Fiji in the way they did. Um, on Sunday. So they did amazingly in that final. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the strategy for the Blitzbox for the next few years is just fill the team with um, people whose surname is Davids. Like, just get 12 Davids, rotate them in the sevens team. We should be fine for the next few years. So then that will be the end of the rugby, um, of the rugby championship preview and the Rugby Biz podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, please go to rugby to, to the bet.co.za and, 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 and start an account there and you can make your, your, your bets and your wages on, on, on some of the advice that we give you. Please, as much as possible, um, let's, 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 let's put the good energy out there for the Springboks to win the rugby championship for the Wallabies to win the Bettislow Cup. And then, yeah, please see, please go to our, our 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 social media pages to see what what we're what we're up to as well. Cooks, Sean, thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll see you later in the week for a, a, a quick preview pod um, on Thursday. But otherwise, we'll we'll see you later. Bye bye.